Well, good morning. Hey, uh, my wife finally took some of your advice and she left me this week. She went to Florida with her family. And listen, I'm not ashamed to admit that when she's gone, she really misses me. So she's coming back on Tuesday. I knew she would. Anyway, hey, we're in a series of messages called Inside Out, and we're looking at how to master the habits that really matter. And uh, if you've missed, you want to go back. I'll do a little review uh, at some point today, but uh, you you missed a lot. Um, If you would, go ahead and take out your message outlines. You can follow along, fill in the blanks as we go on this journey together. But uh, I want to start by asking you a question. How many of you, being honest, we, we've already passed the New Year's resolution thing, but if the truth were known, how many of you have something in your life that if you could, you would hope that could change? There's things in your life you hope could change, all right? Um, listen, here's what's interesting. Maybe for you, whatever the specific thing is, some people say, gee was I want to do something different with money. I hope to be better with money. I hope to have a better marriage or better relationship. I hope that's the case, right? For some of you, that's what you want. I hope that I will develop into a better parent because I need to, right? I hope that I get better with relationships. I hope I get in better physical shape. You got your own deal, right? I hope to get organized, hope to eat better, all of that. And let me just tell you, hope is good. If you go through life and you don't have any hope, you got real problems. We need hope. But fill this in if you're taking notes. But hope alone won't change your life. Habits will. I hate to break it to you, but hoping is not going to change your life. But habits will. We need more than just hope. We need the right habits. And if you don't like what's going on in your life, can I tell you, it's not about hoping more. It's about looking at your habits. And that's exactly what we're going to do today on this journey. I want you to think about this just for fun. Think about the last few weeks of your life. Maybe not this last week because with no school, that was kind of crazy, right? Some of you went crazy because your kids were home and they were thrilled and you weren't. You know how that goes. But anyway, I want you to think about your typical week. And if I ask you, what did you do last Tuesday or two Tuesdays ago or last Wednesday or two Wednesdays ago? You know what you're going to find? Because we're very similar. What you did this last Tuesday and the Tuesday before and the Tuesday before that was very similar because we're creatures of what? Habit. We do a lot of the same things over and over and over. You got up, you probably got up the same way. You got up dreading that it was time to go to work. You're either the type that the alarm went off and you hit snooze five times. We talked about that last week. Or you're the type, no, I hate the alarm, but it went off, it's time to get up. And you got up and you did your same thing that you do all the time. For me, the first thing, I go to the bathroom. I don't know about you. Is that too detailed to talk about? Anyway, I won't go any more detail, but that's kind of my first pit stop, right? Some of you do that. Some of you brush your teeth. Some of you go have breakfast. Some of you get dressed first. Some of you get right on social media. Some of you, the more spiritual people, pick up your Bible and you read that, right, over breakfast or whatever the deal. And then, listen, you get dressed, you go to work. And you know what I know about when you go to work? Most of you drive the exact same route every time you go to work. 
You go by some of the same people. You get frustrated at the same stoplights, the same stop signs. You wonder, what in the heck? What's worth everybody today? Driving so slow. You go to work. You do the same sort of thing that you've done. You come home. Your evening routine is about the same week in and week out because we are creatures of habit. How many are depressed just talking about all your normal habits? <laughs> oh, man. Fill this in if you're taking notes. Here's what this illustrates. Most of what you normally do isn't the result of hope, but the result of habits. Most of what we do isn't because of hope, it's because of habits. Hope won't change your life, but habits will. If you're taking notes, fill this in. I found this very, very interesting. There's a fascinating, stu fascinating study that shows that over 40% of the actions that you and I do daily are not the result of decisions, but they're the result of habits. Almost four out of over four out of every ten things that you and I do daily, we don't do it because of hope. We don't even do it because we made a decision. We're doing it because of habits. I want to show you today the power of one habit. What one godly habit, one holy habit, doing God's things God's way can develop and change things in your life you never thought. And to illustrate this, I want to start in the book of Daniel chapter 6. And I want to give you a little context of the story that's going on in Daniel chapter 6. But there, 587 B.C., there was a king that was really evil. His name was King Nebuchadnezzar, and he was one bad boy. I mean, he was a bad, bad leader. And they, they attacked the people of Jerusalem, he did, and his people. They burned their temples. They, they destroyed basically everything that they could to humiliate the people of God. And, and they took many of those people captive. They kind of picked the cream of the crop of the people they took captive because they had a goal to indoctrinate them into the, the, the king's ways and try to make them leaders, maybe, and move his kingdom forward. And so that's what he did. Matter of fact, he was so bad that when he took all these people captive, he would strip them down naked, and then he would sit on his big ship and lit just literally watch them go by naked to humiliate them further. That's, this was a bad guy. And so anyway, he'd take the best of the best. He'd try to indoctrinate them into his way of doing things to try to further build his kingdom. And there was one guy, one young man, that kind of stood out amongst them, and his name was Daniel. Daniel was young. He was one of the captives. He had a lot going on for him. And all of a sudden, just like that, it's taken away. And they're trying to indoctrinate him into the Babylonian culture. And you'd probably look and say, Daniel... He had to feel like there's no hope. There's, there's no chance for me. I mean, I had this whole idea of what my life was going to be like, and it's all been taken away, and I've got this evil king that's trying to corrupt my mind and my thinking, and, and he was a follower of the one true God. And then one day something happened. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a wild dream, and all the spiritual interpreters that the king put around him, they, he, they were trying to figure out what this dream meant, and none of them could figure it out. Daniel hears about this, and Daniel passes the word and says, tell the king that I can interpret his dream. And so he sits down, and he interprets this dream for the king, and the king is actually blown away, and he, he's kind of drawn to the, the God that Daniel's following because he sees what Daniel is able to do, and he's pretty intrigued by that. So Daniel starts to move up in this evil king's empire, if you will. It's taken on more influence, more opportunities. Now, how did God do something 
so special in Daniel? And the answer is this, and you can fill this in. God often does big things through small habits. God often does big things through small habits. And we're going to see it in Daniel's life. And Daniel had found favor with the king. He was able to interpret some dreams. He gets promoted. And the key leaders start to notice that the king has taken kind of this liking to Daniel and trying to move him up. And the other leaders around the king get jealous. Imagine that. They're getting jealous because he's getting promoted. The king's talking about him. They're, they're very jealous, and so they come up with a plan of what are we going to do to undermine Daniel? What are we we got to catch him. We got to catch him doing something wrong. We got to find some dirt on Daniel. We got to destroy his character. We got to catch him doing something wrong. Well, the problem is when they looked at Daniel, they actually couldn't find any flaws in his character or in his integrity. And here's what happens in Daniel chapter 6, verse 5. Here's what they finally say. Finally, these men said, we'll never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something, get this, to do with the law of his God. They knew he was so committed to his God, they said the only way we're going to find a flaw is if we can get him to violate the law with his own God. And so these evil leaders, they go to King Nebuchadnezzar, they've thought up a plan, and they went to the king and they said, hey king, you know what? We think it'd be a good idea if over the next 30 days, what you would do is you'd make a decree, a law, because you're the king, that if anyone prays to anybody else except you, king that you would throw them into the lion's den. Let the lions just eat them up. Put them in this lion's den because, King, we, don't, we haven't told you lately, but you're really worthy, like you're amazing, and we just think that no one should be praying to anybody except to you. And, of course, that puffs up the king's ego, right? And so the king kind of buys it, and he says, okay, that sounds like a pretty good plan. Yeah, I do kind of deserve that. If people pray to anybody except me, we'll throw them in the lion's den. Now we're about to see the habit that Daniel had, one of his habits that God used in a mighty, mighty way. Notice Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel learned about the decree, this you can't pray to anybody else, that had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Now watch for this. Three times a day. Three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, don't miss this last part, just as he had done before. There's a habit. Three times a day, he knelt down and he gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now, if you don't know the rest of the story, it's pretty powerful. I'll try to condense it and do it pretty quickly here. But the guys finally went to the king, all the king's people, right? And they said, hey, King, we just wanted to let you know there was a man that broke the law. He's praying to a different God. He's not praying to you, King, and his name is Daniel. And they, of course, knew that the king was be like, oh, is he going to go back on his own word because he made the decree, or is he going to let Daniel slide? And so the king felt the pressure, and so he ordered that Daniel be put in the lion's den. Now, you got to understand, the king wanted Daniel in his place, right? He wanted to continue to move up because he saw how good he was, but he had to do what he had created a law for. And so they put him in the, dial, the lion's den. They threw him in there. They locked the doors. They let the hungry lions at Daniel. And the king went to bed that night. And I know he just kept thinking, oh, I hope, I hope, I hope he's okay. I hope for some weird, weird reason that this God or whatever it is protects him. I hope that the lions don't eat him up because I really want him in my kingdom. And the next morning, 
the king goes to the lion's den. He has the door opened up. He goes inside and he hollers out, Daniel, Daniel, are you okay? Did the God that you serve, did he rescue you? Did he spare your life? And all of a sudden, Daniel says, hey, king, here I am. My God did. My God shut the mouths of the lions. They weren't allowed to eat me, and I'm okay. He rescued me. And this one habit that Daniel refused to, to give up, the habit of praying three times a day as he had done, rescued him. God honored that habit. One small holy habit made a big, big difference. Now, here's what's interesting. We don't know how, other, how many other habits Daniel had that were holy, but I can guarantee you that just because of the one habit of praying regularly, three times a day to the one true God, that his faith had grown. He had seen, I'm sure, God respond in many, many ways through the years that he had been having this holy habit. I'm sure that his spiritual temptation was lessened. He was able to be stronger with the things that you and I might give into because of the connectivity that he had on a daily basis, three times a day with the one true God. He had this spiritual trajectory that was continuing to grow, his relationship, his trust, his listening to God's voice because he was connected to God regularly. This habit paid big, big dividends. Now, here's what I'd like to say, and you can fill this in. The next bullet, never underestimate how God can start something big through one small habit. Never underestimate the power of one small holy habit in your life of what God can do. I want you to think about all the areas that you might have hoped for. Your marriage, relationship, your health, working out, being having things in order, whatever it is. The power of a habit done over consistently over time, can do a big, big deal. And let's just review real quickly where we've been, and I'll do this really quick. If you went back to week one, number one, we said it's important to have real and lasting change isn't behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. If behavior modification would work, all of us that made New Year's resolutions for years, we would all be in great shape, we'd all be better with our money, our marriages would be better, our parenting would be better, our being having things in order would be better, but it's not behavior modification doesn't last. I told you the average New Year's resolution is over by the second Friday in January. Behavior modification isn't the deal, it's spiritual transformation. And what we learn is if you want to have spiritual transformation, it, it, what you do has got to be spiritual. It has, it has to have, so we talked about having a spiritual why. Why do I want to get in shape? Not just to look better, but because I realize the spiritual why is God says he's given me this one body and it's where he lives. He lives in us as believers. So I'm going to take care of the temple that God gave me, right? So we're to add a spiritual why. Now, last week, you can fill this in, we talked about this. You do what you do because of what you think of you. You want to know, we, we talked this whole thing in detail last week, so if you missed it, you can go on our YouTube and watch. But you know why you do what you do? You do what you do because of what you think of you. That was so powerful. You're not who you say you are. You're not who other people say you are. We said you have to go back to the Creator and who He says you are. And once you understand who He says you are, you have the power necessary to change, not behaviorally, but spiritual transformation. There's a big deal. So last week we looked at a spiritual who, right? 
Spiritual who? This is what I want to change. It's spiritual. It's God-honoring. And we said the same spirit that raised God from the dead is what we have living in us and believers that who is the one who gives us the power to have spiritual transformation rather than just try to work on behavior. So today we're going to talk about, we talked about a spiritual why. We talked about a spiritual who last week. Today we're going to talk about a spiritual what. A spiritual what. And um, this is how you start to develop these habits that really matter and have the power that Daniel had. So the question that we're going to look at today is based on identity, based on what you want to become, because last week we talked about that, based on who you want to become. What's one habit that you need to do based on who you want to become? I want to become a godly mother. Okay, what's one habit? I want to be better in shape. What's one habit? I want to be closer to God. Good. What's one habit that will lead you to do that? Just what's one habit? So I want to lead you through this. If you're taking notes, put this on your notes. Based on who you want to become, what's one habit you need to start? What's one habit that you need to start? And it could be very small. Small is not a bad thing. Matter of fact, most of us, we do need to start small because you know how it is when you have big plans, right? I'm going to change everything overnight. I haven't ran for 28 years, but I'm going to run a marathon in two weeks. Yeah, good luck. Those are the people that flood the gym on January. They haven't worked out in 18 years. They're going to do every machine in the gym. And then tomorrow they can't get out of bed. And the next day they feel even worse. And they're like, I can't go to the gym. That's just not for me. What's one small habit? Start small. I want to be more disciplined in reading my Bible. Good. Then say, I'm going to read one chapter a day. I'm going to read two paragraphs a day. I'm going to do this. You say, well, I don't have time in the morning to read. Good. Then I'm just not, I'm going to set my alarm five minutes earlier. That's a small step, and I'm not going to hit the snooze alarm. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to do something different. I'm going to read the Bible before I read social media. Some of you, that's way too big of a step. How's social media working in your life? Right? You need to change some habits. Let me show you how this can just play out based on who you want to become. Maybe you're a leader. Maybe you're a leader at work. Maybe you're a boss at work, right? And you generally care about people. And you want people to know that you generally care about them. So you're saying, you know what? I'm going to write one appreciation note every single day. I'm going to write one a week. I'm going to write one every day, whatever it is. And I'm just going to let somebody know. I can't do it with everybody today, but I'm going to do one person a day. Or you might say, you know what? I want to be more organized. We serve a God that is orderly. He put everything in place and everything has a place. So I want to do that. And so you know what? I I might just make my bed the first thing in the morning just to start with some order in my life. One small habit. Maybe you have a teenager and you're like, wow, you know, I'm struggling. What if you said, you know what we're going to do? How about we pick a Bible plan and you and I read it together in the morning before you go to school and I go to work. We're just going to read one chapter. We're going to read one little thing together today and that's going to be our new habit, right? I want to be healthier. So what's going to be your habit? You say, God, I have a why. This, This is my body, which you say is a temple that you live in. I don't want to trash the temple. So I'm going to give up eating chocolate. I'm going to not drink soft drinks anymore. 
I, you know what? I'm not going to McDonald's every day for lunch. Whatever that is, a small habit. Again, the power of the risen Christ is the same spirit that lives in you and I as believers that rode Jesus from the dead. So you can overcome your Diet Coke, your Diet Pepsi, your coffee. Oh, that's getting ugly, isn't it? I can't, I, I hate coffee. It's gross. Anyway, what's one habit that you need to create? One habit could be, you know what? As a family, as a husband and a wife, you know what we're going to make a priority? We're going to make worshiping God in our church a commitment every single week. That's a habit. That's a great habit. It'll pay huge dividends. You can't do anything half as much and get the results as somebody that's doing it every time. You can't do it if you do it one out of four. There's no doubt you're not getting the same results. Fortunately, I look back in some of the habits my wife and I created um, since we got married. I, I, I didn't even stop to think about some of the habits that we've created. And not all of them are great, but some of them are really good and have paid dividends. My wife and I have been married 41 years, and probably for the last 35 years, we've had Monday as a date day for 35 years. We continue to date each other, although tomorrow she said, I got to date somebody else, I guess. I don't know. She's not here. I'm kidding. Don't start any rumors. <laughs> I know it's on video, so it's on there. But anyway, no, but seriously, that's a habit that we've had for 35 years, and it's paid dividends in our marriage. Some people say, man, we'd like to have a marriage like, well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But I'm telling you, it's the power of habits, praying together. I'm not going to tell you we never miss a day, but we, we never used to pray together. It, it's important that we do that. We never were tither early on until we learned. We have a habit of tithing. We've had it for many, many years. We just realize we're stewards and the tenth of everything God gives us, we give back to him. It's a holy habit. It's a holy habit that over time pays big, big dividends. So don't ever underestimate the power of making a small, small decision. And you know what? There's a, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 25. Notice what it says about meeting together, about worshiping together. It says, let us not neglect meeting together, assembling ourselves together for worship. It's God's instructions. As some of you have made a habit... Now, how true is that today? Maybe more than any time in my lifetime, some people that had a habit of coming together and worshiping every week now don't. Whether they're watching online, doing something else, or they've just gotten out of the habit, it's a real deal. And he says, don't do that, but let us encourage one another. And even more, as you see the day approaching, as times get closer to the end, he's saying it's even more important that believers are together regularly and worshiping together and praying together and rubbing shoulders together and laughing together and singing together and learning together. And you might say, I, I kind of got out of the habit. And, and don't get me wrong. I am so thankful that we've got a crew that is so talented that our stuff is online every single week. We've not missed a beat. And for some of you, listen, I've heard from you, and some of you, you can't get out. The roads are bad. You are sick, and you're saying, it's great. I don't have to miss worship, and that is great. I would never take that away. But can we just be honest? For some people, that's become your new gig. And you might say it's working for you, but it's not working really for you. And it's not working. We're better with you. We're better together. You might say it works for me. Yeah, but what about the person you're supposed to have a conversation with? What about a person that, you, that needs a hug from you? It's not just about each uh, us. It's about collectively coming together. And God says, don't forsake 
getting together on a regular basis. You need it. And so I'm just going to tell you, we love you and we miss you. If you're gone, come on. If you're sick, I get it. Don't Stay home. Watch us today. But if you're not sick and you can get out, can I just encourage you to jump over that line and to come back and be a part of what God is doing here because together we're better together. That we're the body of Christ. So maybe you're a leader and um, you're looking at your kids. Can I just tell you, our kids learn more from what's caught than what's taught. We can talk all day about what's important, but what our kids see us do is what they learn is really important. That's the power of habits. And again, remember, the same power that lives in you and I as believers is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And so I just want to encourage you to make a small new habit to get back to some things that you know are important. So what I want to do now is, listen, um, there's four points that I want to cover, but because of time, I'm going to cover two today and we'll pick up next week. Um, so if you're taking notes, fill this in. How are we going to create a new habit? The first thing I want you to know, understand about creating a new habit is you've got to make it obvious. You've got to make this new habit obvious. If it's not obvious, you're not going to do it. So you've got to make it obvious. And anybody that teaches on habits, there's many different angles to come at learning new habits and how long it takes for that habit to really kind of take root. Um, but there's some real common strings that go with these making it, and it starts with a cue. You've got to have a cue to start a new habit. And, and once you have this cue, it creates a desire. You kind of see that graph on your note sheets. If you see how this works, once you have a cue, it kind of creates a desire or a craving. Hey, I want to get in better shape, right? I've got a temple. I've got the why. I got the who's going to give me the power and the what I'm going to do, which creates a response or an action. And then there's a reward. You're actually seeing, wow, I am getting closer to God. I have been spending time. It's made a difference worshiping regularly. It's made a difference that I'm working out regularly, that I'm getting up earlier just to, just to read one passage every day in my Bible. You're starting to see results and that how it works. And we work off of cues. We do. You know some of the cues that you have every day? The alarm goes off. Oh, that's my cue to hit the snooze three more times. You work off a cue whether they're good or bad. My dog. My dog, Zippy, Zippy's right here. Um, she, she's a miniature schnauzer. We should have called her, Z not Zippy, but Yippy, because she barks like, she didn't bark for three months, and then when she started barking, she doesn't stop. Like, there's nobody sneaking up on her house. She, 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 yeah, anyway. But Zippy's got cues, and I don't know if she's learned cues from us or if she's kind of manipulated us with the cues. But anyway, I, let me just tell you how it works. In the morning... She's got a cue. When one of us gets up, she knows it's time for her to get up. And when she gets up, she wants to eat breakfast. And so we know when she jumps out of the bed, she's ready for breakfast. And so we feed her breakfast. Well, after her breakfast, she knows because she's had to be on medication. Remember I told you she lost some nails and they thought it was an autoimmune thing. So she's on, she's on medicine. And so she knows when her breakfast is done, she gets cheese. What she doesn't know is we hide her pills in the cheese. But she knows the cue is, is after breakfast, I get the cheese. And then there's another cue that we taught her when she was a puppy, brand new. It only took her about a week to know this. We tied a jingle bell on our door, and we ring it, and we'd let her out to go to the bathroom. And after about three days, she starts swatting that bell. And here she is, age six, and we can hear no matter where we're in the house when she needs to go outside because she gives us a cue because we taught her a cue, 
right? And she, she does that. After lunch, if I eat lunch with her, she knows after lunch. She gets a dentist stick. That's for her teeth to keep them white so we don't have to take her and get dentist stuff done all the time. So she knows that's coming. So she'll go to the closet door where the dentist sticks are stored because she know her cue was lunch is over. It's dentist stick time. And then after dinner at night, she gets another pill, right? She thinks it's her cheese. It is. That's her cue after dinner's over. And then after those are done, she gets one pepperoni as a treat, and she knows that that's the cue. And so she goes back to another a door because she knows that's where the pepperoni fairy lives, and she gets a pepperoni. So listen, we're not the only people that work off of cues. And there's a craving, and there's an action, and then there's a reward, and it's this cycle that goes on. So you got to make your cues obvious. Make it obvious. Just get up a little earlier. Read your Bible. Work out. Schedule it. Don't go to the gym and use every machine. Start small and build on that. These powerful habits with God's power will get you places that you never thought you could get. The second thing is, not only do we make it obvious, you got to make it easy. you got to make it easy. I read to you, or I told you about a book a week or two ago by a guy named David Allen. It's called Getting Things Done. It's an older book. It's about being productive. It's very helpful if you're a reader. There's a lot of great stuff in there. But you know what he says? He, he calls it the two-minute rule. I learned a lot about this. He says if there's something that comes on your radar that you can accomplish in two minutes or less, do it right now and get it off your plate. If something comes up, you know what, I probably ought to make a note of that. Do it right now. If you can do it in two minutes or less, get rid of it. Oh, I got this bill. I probably ought to pay it this week. If you can do it in two minutes or less, do it right now. Hey, you know what, I was going to read my Bible today. Hey, I'm early. I'm going to plan it right. I'm going to do it right now. Make it obvious. Make it simple. There's another book that you might want to check out if you're into this. It's called, it's by James Clear. It's a brilliant book. It's called Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits by James Clear. And what he goes on, he builds off of that, and he talks about the art of habit stacking. So you take these little habits, and you begin to stack one on top of the other. And, and you're like, let's say you want to journal. You want to read the Bible, and you're like, I probably ought to journal, because that way it would build my faith to see things I prayed about, God answered. And so what if you journaled and you just said, I'm just going to journal one thought today. That's a simple thing. That's easy. That's obvious. Just do that one thing, but then say, you know what? The other thing is, yeah, I want to journal that, right? But I also want to eat better. Good. Then I'm going to, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do that, and I'm going to stack that habit. And you know what? I want, to, I want to pray more with my spouse. And so what if we start out simple and we just listen? It's awkward. I know it is to pray. That way, when you're praying out loud, and we, we started just by holding each other's hand, we'd pray for one thing. God, thank you for our family. Thank you for our health. And be done. And you know what happens when you pray one, one little line or two together? The next night or a week from now, if you've done that consistently, you might pray two lines. You might journal two lines instead of one line. You might read your Bible for five minutes instead of two minutes. What happens when you start to stack these habits, you're going to start to see the benefits, and you're going to see what God is doing, and you start stacking these habits and one thing over another, over another, over another, over time, you're going to look back and say the power of a holy habit that I stacked together has taken our relationship, our marriage, 
our parenting, our other relationships with other people, my finances. I'm just going to start. I'm a steward. I'm not an owner. That's my spiritual why. So, God, we're just going to do it your way. And you'll be amazed of what happens over one holy habit that you started small, that was easy and obvious, and over time, it builds. You just start. Make it easy. Make it obvious. And um, you'll be amazed. So, what do you do? How do you put this into practice? If you see on your note sheet, it says example. Here's the example. You can make as many of these as you want. I will do blank after I blank. You get to fill those in. For example, I can't prove it with Daniel, but I'll guarantee, I can almost guarantee you. How many times a day did it say that he prayed as he normally did? Three times a day. What if he said, you know what? When I eat breakfast, then I'm going to pray. When I have lunch, that's my cue. I'm going to pray. When I eat dinner, that's my cue. I'm going to pray. If that was his three times, that would make sense to me. That, that's systematic. That would be a reminder. That would be the cue. That would be the process that we just learned. And he said, gee whiz, that's the way I'm doing. And he had a consistent time that he had built in. You might say, you know what? After I put the kids to bed, then I'm going to pray with them. After I put the kids to bed, I'm going to do five push-ups. After I wake up in the morning and go to the bathroom, I'm going to read my Bible. Do you see how that works? After this, then I'm going to do this. And if you continually do that, which is easy, obvious, you're going to build these habits that pay off big, big ways. It's the power of a habit. You know what happens? You say, gee whiz, after I have my breakfast, before I get in the shower, I'm doing five push-ups. Maybe you said, I couldn't even do five today. I did three. But tomorrow, I'm going to do it again. After my shower, I'm going to do push-ups. Pretty soon, you said, I didn't do five. I did six. Then I did seven. Now I'm doing 15. And the power of a habit over time. And here's the deal. What we have as believers that the rest of the world doesn't have, all they can do is behavior modification. But for those of us that have received Christ, we have the same spirit living in us. The same power exists in you that rose Jesus from the dead. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. I love what Paul said in 1 Timothy. Notice these words. Physical training. We could even say physical habits. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. The power of one habit with Jesus providing the power. If you're, if, listen, if you're hoping to change something, which many of us are, hope is good, but hope alone won't change your life. But habits will. And godly habits, holy habits will, based on who you want to become. Based on who you want to become, the mother that you want to come, the father you want to come, the husband that you want, the wife that you want, the leader that you want, the Christian that you want to become. Based on what you want to become, what's one holy habit, what's one godly habit that you need to start doing? And look at Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. What if, what if you and I have no idea what God wants to do in your life through one small habit that you could begin today, that you could begin 
in the morning that you could go home and write a couple of things down based on who I want to become. This is the one habit that I need to start. And then when I get that one down, I'm going to stack another habit on that, another holy habit on that. Listen, we are creatures of habit. But many of us have built habits that aren't really getting us to become who we want to become. What if we took another look at it? What's one habit you need to start? And you won't change because you hope to. You'll only change when you create habits. And do not despise small beginnings because God rejoices. God rejoices to see the work begin. And never underestimate how God in your life can do big things through one small habit. You know, we've talked a lot about holy habits today. It's not behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. It's God's power working in us. And uh, if you're here today and you, in your heart, you'd say, God, you know, I really do want to honor you with a holy habit. I need several of them. God, but I want to start small and start easy and obvious because I realize I am a creature of habit and maybe for you, you used to have some of these habits we've talked about, but you've replaced those with other habits. That's understandable. If nothing changes, nothing's going to change. But it's not about hope. It's about habits. You and I are where we're at in life in many cases. The truth is, is because of habits, things that we do over and over and over. So between you and God, just say, God, listen, you got my attention. I'm not going to put off until February 1st. I'm going to start today. I'm going to start in the morning with at least one small habit, a holy habit and invite you to give me the power to do it. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, can I tell you? There's no behavior modification that's going to get you right with God. You can come to church every week. You can pray every day. You can read your Bible every day. But if you don't know Jesus, you can't behave your way into heaven. It's spiritual transformation. You have to admit that you're a sinner and that you have no ability whatsoever to get right in God's eyes without His Son, Jesus, as your Savior and Lord. He's the only one that can forgive. And He'll forgive you of everything you've ever done wrong. If you'll turn from doing life your way and put your faith in Him, He will give you a new life. He transforms you from the inside out. It's nothing you can do on your own but it's something that's available to everyone. So if that's you today, you're, listen, some people, I ask them often, if you were to die today, do you think you'd go to heaven? You know what I hear more than anything else? I hope so. The Bible says it was written so you can know so. The question is, have you received Jesus as Savior and Lord? Have you turned from doing life your way and admit that you're a sinner and ask him to save you? If you do that, you can know 
because he promises that if you do that, he'll save you, he'll forgive you, he'll adopt you into his family, never to be unadopted. If that's you right where you're at, whether you're at home or here in this room, in your stillness of your own heart, say, God, I don't understand it all, but I know I'm not perfect. And what I've just heard, I can't earn my way to you. So God, I admit that I need you. I ask by faith that you come into my heart. Forgive me. Adopt me. Give me that brand new life that I can't behave my way to. I receive your gift of eternal life through your son the one way, Jesus. And from this day forward, I want to live for you. I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want to mature as I open up your word, as I make worship a priority, as I start to stack these holy habits together. But God, thank you for loving me enough to send your son to die so I wouldn't have to. Jesus, thank you for loving me and now for being my Lord and Savior. And we give you all the praise in the name of Jesus that's above all other names. And everybody said, <laughs>